This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Please be sure to subscribe and share with friends and family. To help support this ministry, please visit allentempleamec.com slash donate. Thank you for listening. The scripture that was read earlier came from the gospel according to Luke. It was the 19th chapter, and the reading was from the 29th through the 35th verses. Let me read it one more time so that we can all be in sync and on the same page. Luke, the 19th chapter, the 29th through the 35th verse, read as follows. When he had come near Bethpage and Bethany at the place called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples saying, go into the village ahead of you and as, a ma- and as you enter it, you will find tied there a colt that has never been ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? Just say this, the Lord needs it. So those who were sent departed and found it as he had told them. As they were untying the colt, its owner asked them, why are you untying the colt? They said, the Lord needs it. Then they brought it to Jesus, and after throwing their cloaks on the colt, they set Jesus on it. Here's a truth. You may not like to hear this, but um, we are often selfish, egotistical, manipulative, short-sighted, stubborn, headstrong, and fickle. Yet, we are the church and the hope of the world. And since we are the hope of the world, the kingdom of God can only advance when we use what God has given us when and where he needs it. Mm-hmm. On this Palm Sunday, our text talks about a little donkey. And when I started reading this text in preparation for this sermon, I was immediately drawn to that donkey. It seemed to me that it was such a weird story to place in the middle of the text. What could possibly be important about Jesus telling his disciples to go and find a donkey and bring it to him? And the text gives such detail about the fact that the donkey was young, meaning never before ridden. It was tied up. It had an owner, etc., etc. All are details that I couldn't quite understand why they were so important. Then it hit me. The text is not really about the donkey, but more about our attitude as it relates to the purposes of God. And and not understanding the donkey in this text is chiefly why our churches are in trouble today. There are things that God wants to get to his people But some of us are holding on so tightly to the things that God has only entrusted to us for just a little while. So in light of all of this, I want to preach a message that I've titled today quite simply, The Lord Needs It. The Lord Needs It. Let us pray. Father, we thank you now, Lord, for the preaching hour. Thank you for everything that has been done up to this point to prepare us for what you have to say. There is no one in this sanctuary or even online that is here to hear me. 
but they are here to hear you. So, Father, I pray, as I humble myself before you, a holy God, give them what they need so they can give you what you want and what you need. In Jesus' name, amen. So, in the accounts of what we call the four canonical gospels, Canonical Gospels mean Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. The four Gospels. In the accounts of the four Gospels, Jesus had a triumphant entry into this place called Jerusalem one week before the resurrection. It is a time that we all refer to as Palm Sunday, and the symbolism was captured in the Old Testament book of Zechariah, chapter 9 and verse 9, where we read. Now remember, this is the Old Testament, and this is what it said in the Old Testament. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout in triumph, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. He is just and endowed with salvation, humble and mounted on a donkey, even on a colt, the foal of a donkey. That's what Zechariah said in the Old Testament. He literally said, behold, your king is going to be coming to you riding on a colt, a donkey, the colt of an ass. Now, because the Jewish leaders were very familiar with the Old Testament. They understood and they read the Old Testament. They knew all of the books from Isaiah to Jeremiah. They knew all of the books. When they saw Jesus coming into Jerusalem, riding on this donkey, even a colt, the foal of a donkey, they knew that he was declaring himself to be king of Israel, and it made them angry. Are you seeing what's happening in the text here? Because they knew what the Old Testament said, for Jesus to have the audacity to now be coming into Jerusalem, riding on a donkey, he was literally telling all of them, see, I am the Messiah. And they did not like that at all. <laughs> so so then, as, then as Jesus rode this donkey into Jerusalem, to make matters worse, the people started celebrating by laying down palm trees and the clothes, everything as if he was, as if they were heralding him some kind of great person. This Jesus, this rabbi, who on earth or hell do you think you are? Why are you trying to bastardize the scriptures? We know that when Messiah comes, how he will come. And he ain't coming like this. And oh, by the way, who made you king? Jesus. You know, and as the people were putting their palms and they were doing all of this and, and Jesus was coming in on this donkey, they, they were singing, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We bless you from the house of the Lord. Are you out of your mind? But the symbolism of the donkey also had another implication. In the Eastern tradition, the donkey was symbolized, or it symbolized an animal of peace, as opposed to, say, a horse. When you're coming in on a horse, you're coming in as a conqueror, a, a, a mighty warrior. And, and so, technically, a victorious conquering king would have ridden a horse 
when he was about to either go to war or come back from a war. So when the king would ride in on a donkey into a new city, he'd be saying, I come in peace. Because the donkey would represent peace, not a horse. But Jesus had requested this donkey. And as you know, this was not the ways that the Jews expected their Messiah to come. Their anticipation was that Messiah would come on a grand white horse with sword drawn and bringing liberation for these people because they were under Roman rule. You see, the Romans, they had this stronghold on these people, trying to tell them what to do, what not to do, letting them pay taxes, income taxes, state taxes, federal taxes. They were doing all of these things and the people didn't like it. And every time they would have a new governor... <laughs> the governor would impose even new taxes so they didn't like it and they wanted nothing more than for their liberator to come riding on a horse with sword drawn to take out taxes. <laughs> so Messiah didn't come the way they expected. And because of this, they did not recognize Jesus as Messiah. And they were upset that Jesus was doing this for who wants a deliverer riding on a donkey? Who wants a deliverer or a Messiah that eats with sinners and beggars? Who wants a Messiah that has no place to rest his head? Who wants a Messiah that washes people's feet? Who wants a Messiah that would be flogged, beaten, and crucified? Bottom line is, who wants a Messiah that would die? And even for us, as we think about our own lives... Who wants a God that can't provide for our needs? Who wants a God that can't deliver us in the day of trouble? Who wants a God that can't heal our sick bodies? Who wants a God that only blesses the rich? You see, so it's understandable why some of the Jewish leaders would cringe at this donkey riding imposter as they saw it from their perspective. Are you all with me? And let me give you just a quick sidebar into the Jewish mindset and their attitude towards Jesus. In December of 2012, right after the killing of those little children in Sandy Hook, Connecticut, I was watching CNN and they had a rabbi by the name of Shmuley Bortek. You can look it up. He was commenting on these killings. So I'm watching this right after the killings in Sandy Hook. And you all remember when President Obama went there, even t shed tears. Because who could believe that someone could actually go in there and to do something so heinous with an AR-15 rifle? I mean, it's unconscionable. So I'm watching CNN in December 2012, and I'm listening to this rabbi on the television, and he was talking about the killings. And it was then in that interview that I realized and fully began to understand the Jewish mindset even today. The same mindset as it was back then as well, when Jesus was riding in on a colt, the foal of a donkey. This is what the rabbi said on television. And I quote, we can't let God off the hook. He has to do his part and we have to do ours. We don't want him as a comforter. We want him as a protector. Did you hear that? Yes. Mm. Yes. 
Because the mindset is if you are being comforted, something has gone wrong. But if you are a protector, you prevent things from happening. So when Jesus is riding in on a colt, the foal of a donkey, you don't look the way we need Messiah to come because we don't need no gentle Jesus, meek and mild. Look upon this little child. What we need is a sword-carrying, armor-bearing, conquering king that will come and save us from the wiles of the devil and from our enemies. Are you hearing me? We don't want a comforter. We want a protector. And even to this day, that is the Jewish mindset. I'm not saying anything is wrong with it. I'm saying it is what it is. So when we as Christians today talk about, okay, we want the Holy Spirit as our comforter, understand what you're saying. God is never going to send you what, you, what he doesn't think you need. And we live in a world that is wicked. Yeah. We live in a world that is dangerous. We live in a world that tests our faith every single moment of every single day. And so Jesus, when he was getting ready to leave and to be ascended, he says, if I don't go, the comforter will not come. And Jesus will not send us what he doesn't think we need. Right. And brothers and sisters, particularly after what is happening with these in our schools, I think this world needs to hear from the church yeah. saying, huh, we know a comforter. For when a mother has to bury a child from such a tragedy, protection is not what she needs. She needs a Comforter. And all of us, at some point in our lives, whether we believe it or not, with all the things that we have happening to us, maybe, just maybe, we need a little comforting right now. We need something that's going to give us a little bit of hope because the truth of the matter is, the hope is not going to come from the protection of the White House, the protection of the governor's mansion, the protection of the UN. And truth be told, if God had not been with us throughout all of these years, throughout all of our tragedies, throughout all of these issues, what we are experiencing today would be far worse. So we thank God for the hedge of protection that he puts around us that keeps away things that could have made it a lot worse. Yeah. So yes, we need a protector and he is our protector. He is our shield and our hiding place. He is the lifter of our heads. But brothers and sisters, today we need a comforter. Why? Because the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restored my soul. He leadeth me into the path of righteousness. But yeah, though I walk through the valleys of the shadows of death and AR-15s. I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Here it is. Thy rod and thy staff. They comfort me. The world needs a little comfort. And the church today needs to do its part. So, I got way off track. <laughs> but yet while this symbolism has great theological significance, I still couldn't get away from the fact that Jesus is getting ready to go to the cross. And all of these gospel writers are telling us, telling us this obscure story 
of a donkey. What's the big deal? What is the big deal with this donkey? So, reading the text one more time. When he had come near Bethpage and Bethany, at the place called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of the disciples saying, go into the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find there a colt that has never been ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? Just say this, the Lord needs it. So those who were sent departed and found it as he had told them. As they were untying the colt, its owner asked them, why are you untying the colt? They said, the Lord needs it. Does this not seem like a really strange story to you? Well, let's look at it. it, it to me, it does. I mean, it, it, it's, it's nestled in the middle of this text. All four authors of the Gospels are telling the story. And they're spending, listen, it wasn't cheap to write back then. So you're spending all of this space. They could have even said Jesus came out on a donkey. But they had to tell you the details behind how Jesus even acquired the donkey. Why is this so important? Here are some facts. Jesus sends two disciples to go get the donkey. A donkey that was tied up that had never been ridden. We got that. Jesus, notice I'm saying, Jesus tells the disciples to untie the donkey. He gives them instructions. Untie the donkey. Jesus then anticipates that someone is going to ask them, why are they untying the donkey? So Jesus was prepared to say, when you get that question, Jesus says, he tells the disciples, tell the owner the Lord needs it. That's a story in a nutshell. Everything related to a donkey. But not only that, the entire narrative was very clear and specific that these instructions came from Jesus to get this unbroken donkey go untie it and tell the owner i need it so what does this have to do with anything related to the gospel jesus without going too far into the analysis it further seems to me that the disciples were taking something that did not belong to them hmm the disciples were taking something that did not belong to them but even more bizarre is that the owners had only one question for the disciples, and that was, why are you untying the donkey? Now, <laughs> the disciples said, the Lord needs it, and the discussion was over. <laughs> to be honest, and I have to be honest, if I were one of the owners, I might have had a few more questions for those disciples, namely, who told you to touch my donkey? How long you need my donkey? Where are you going with my donkey? How far will you travel with my donkey? Here's the one. When you will, will you be bringing my donkey back? And my favorite, will you sign this DRA? This donkey rental agreement? <laughs> the Lord needs it is not necessarily an answer that would have satisfied me. So if it were up to me, Jesus might have ended up walking into Jerusalem instead of being mounted on a donkey, even a colt, the foal of a donkey. Jesus, you're going to walk to Jerusalem because you ain't getting my donkey. But the Lord needs it. I really believe that the owner was already prepared for this request of the Lord. He already had purposed in his mind that he would release this animal if and when Jesus required it. 
Are you hearing what I'm saying underneath my words? The owner had already been prepared to release unto the Lord what the Lord required. Prepared for it. You see, the true follower of Jesus Christ is always prepared, ready, and willing to give what he or she has to the Lord if the Lord needs it. Now let me stick a pin right here. This is why I say our churches are in trouble. Because when pastors and leaders stand in pulpit and tell the people to do and to give, you are not convinced that they're asking you because the Lord needs it. It may be because they need it. It may be because they need it. And so the people are hesitating to give unto the Lord what the Lord needs because they don't trust the one who's asking. So when the disciples come and they said, and, he, and the owner said, why are you untying it? The Lord needs it. You got it. What a testimony. If our hearts were in a place where you are convinced that what you are being asked of is from the Lord. Not from the preacher. Not from the teacher. Not from any bishop. But this is what the Lord needs. And that will offer unto us a willingness to surrender. So our church has to work on its own credibility. So that when we stand in the pulpit, we're not just saying empty words just to make you feel good. You go home and you're excited, but you feel empty. Because we've asked you for nothing. And nothing you give. But even when we ask, we don't ask because the Lord needs it. We ask because we need it. Reverend Nefti today in her appeal, two offering appeals. In the missions appeal, she said to you clearly, it serves two purposes, evangelism and missions. She talked about being the hands and the, and the heart and the feet of Jesus because the Lord needs it. And when she talked about the giving or normal regular giving, she talked about we need to keep the church on, the lights on, things moving. We need to make sure there's a building here or somewhere that the people can come to worship. She's telling you that the Lord needs it. Because one day we won't be here anymore. Other people will be here. And if we don't do our part to make sure that this remains, guess what? People will suffer. So we're making appeals to you because the Lord needs it. Not me. Not anyone dressed in fancy white robes. The Lord needs it. I don't know how many donkeys this man had. Whether he had one or 100. But it doesn't really matter. Donkeys were actually very valuable to people back in Palestine. And it was costly for this man to give up this donkey. <laughs> the Reverend Bruce Getshe of Union Church in Illinois, in a sermon titled, What the Master Needs, published back in April 2000, and y'all make sure you give people credit when you use their words, says this about donkeys, and I quote, he said, they were burden-bearing animals, which meant they could transport things much like what trucks do for us today. He said they were able to, these donkeys were able to care for the land much like what tractors do today. They were means of transportation 
much like what cars do today. So the point he was making is that for an owner to surrender his donkey to Jesus was no little gift. It was expensive. It was costly. But this was what the master needed. So this was what the master got. God doesn't always ask, though, for big things. God will not ask us to give us more, give up more than what we have. And here it is clearly. You have to first have it to give it. <laughs> and even though sometimes we may not feel like we have anything of value to give to God, God will take what is useful to God, not for God, but for the benefit of God's people. But be clear, church, it will cost us. And irrespective of the cost to you, God will sometimes take the simplest of things and use them in the greatest ways. Just remember, just ask the widow of Zarephath. She gave the last of her oil and flour to make a meal for Elijah. You remember her? Remember the Shulamite woman who gave a room in her home to the prophet Elisha. The widow who gave her two cents. The young boy who gave his five loaves and his two fish. He gave what he had. And look what God did with that. The early church shared their possessions with those who had a need. And in each and all of these cases, these people gave something that was costly to them and presented it for the use of the Lord. Every true believer knows that everything we have belongs to the Lord despite the value we place on it. I'm talking to the church. Everything we have is a gift from God. Everything. Our time, our talents, our resources, our money, everything has been entrusted to us so that we might use them for God's glory. And our responsibility as stewards is not just about giving money or giving time or giving our resources. It's about giving when the Lord needs it. It's not just giving for giving's sake. It's giving when the Lord needs it. And I want to make sure you understand what I'm saying. If you have purpose and settled in your heart that what you are about to give, whether it's money or whatever it is, if you have settled in your heart that you are doing this because the Lord needs it, believe you me, you have the right attitude. And God will reward that attitude. Many of us know, a lot of us, we give begrudgingly. I'm not talking about money. You got friends who sometimes call upon you and say, um, I need help. Can you pick me up from wherever I'm at because I need a ride to wherever? I know I'm talking to some of y'all. And y'all just like, mm, they're taking me out of my way. I don't want to do this right now. And they're like, and then you talk to your friend and you say, all right, I'm coming. You see the attitude? And then the other person on the other end is like, dag. If, if you didn't want to do it, just, just don't. I'd rather you not do it than to, to come. If, if you feel that way, Amen. imagine God when he has given you everything. And he says to you, I only want this because I need it. And we begrudgingly pretend as if what we have was not first given to us by the Lord. Am I talking to the church? We have to check our heart. So when I say the text is not so much about the donkey, it's about our donkeys. And what donkeys are we holding on to that we don't want to let go even if the Lord needs it? 
See? That's the issue. We have our talents. We have our resources. We have our time. We have our children. We have our job. But all of this belongs to the Lord. And they are ours to use, but God's to request. Amen. The Lord needs it. So what is God asking of you? What does he want you to give? Hmm. I can't tell you, and I can't answer that question for you, brothers and sisters. For it may be simple, or it may be something great. I don't know. But what I do know is that if I have prayed, and if I have committed myself to a God that I believe has protected me from all danger, seen and unseen, if I am convinced that there is something that the Lord requires of me, and he needs it, not Reverend Marriott, but he needs it, not Alan Temple, but he needs it. Then far be it from me to want to withhold from God what he needs. Because the truth of the matter is, here's, here's, here's a thought. When Jesus requested the donkey, and the man gave up the donkey, Jesus rode into Jerusalem on his donkey. Then Jesus was crucified, beaten, dead, and buried. And when that Jesus, same Jesus, rose from the grave, so that everyone, everyone, would be able to participate and partake of this gift of salvation. I don't know about you, but I would have a special pride to know that that Savior rode in on my donkey. What a feeling to know that the world has been made better because of something that I gave because the Lord needs it. Are you all, are you all with me? It's, it, 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 it's a little bit cerebral, I think. But I want you to understand that it doesn't even matter how big or small it is. Whether it's a donkey or a rat. <laughs> I don't know who's got a rat, but... The Lord needs it. The Lord has it. If it's mine to give, and the Lord needs it. Because here's the truth. What a privilege. What a privilege. For the God who created the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, to, to, to humble himself enough to come and ask you and me for something. I can't... I can't wrap my mind around that because my pride and my arrogance tells me I don't even need anybody. I can do things all by myself. I don't need anyone. That's my attitude, my pride, and my arrogance. So how much more can you imagine this God who blew the breath of life into my nostrils, who now sees me valuable enough to ask me for something Lord, are you kidding me? It, it, it's why Peter wouldn't let Jesus wash his feet. Lord, no. And Jesus says, well, if I don't do this, you got no part of me. Well, then you might as well bathe me. Something about God asking us for something that puts me in a place of humility. But here's what the Lord really needs. 
And I love the fact that the text said the Lord needs it. Because there's a difference between our needs and our wants. Yes. Amen. Wants are frivolous. Needs mean you can't do without it. That's what needs mean, right? So, if, so what do we need? We need food or we die. We need shelter and we need clothing. We need those things. Do we need a car? No. You can take the bus. So for the Lord to need something, it means that that Lord can't live without you. Wow. So here's what the Lord needs today. The Lord needs your heart. That's it. Not your donkey, not your rat. <laughs> Whoever has a rat, somebody's a rat. Not your rat, your heart. And this same long-awaited king who rode in on, these, on this donkey is coming again. But here's the beauty. This next time when he comes, <laughs> he's going to come riding yeah. on your heart. Wow. He's going to come riding on your heart. He's going to come riding on a lot of hearts that never gave up and believed in him. And I'd love for one of those hearts to be your own. I would love for one of those hearts to be your own. So today I will bless these palm leaves. And um, I want you all to take one or a few. But take them as a reminder to you of the man who owned the donkey. And every time you see a palm this season, this holy week, remember that he believed enough to give what the Lord asked of him. Be encouraged, my brothers and sisters, by his example. And remember that God will reward your obedience. If he died for us, can we not live for others? It's a simple question. If he died for us, can we not live for others? The Lord needs it. For whatever you have is enough. And today, the Lord needs it. May the Lord richly, richly bless you, my beloved.